You're listening to Faith Assembly of God Online, a recording of our weekly service. Thanks for joining with us, a place where hope and reality converge. This morning we're going to look at, at uh, again, uh, another scripture of, of just a, a word of God encouraging us to see His presence rise in our midst. Genesis chapter 9 is where we're going to look this morning. Genesis chapter 9, starting with verse 18. And in verse 18, we read this story. Let me just catch us all up to speed here, that this is the story of Noah after he gets off the boat. You may have heard Noah's name, who God said of Noah that he was the only righteous person. And because of his righteousness, God said, I want you to build an ark and you're to keep every, uh, your family and uh, those who would, you would, are invited to come, uh, but his family, every animal, and that is how the, the uh, future, the human race would be preserved through this ark. They've now have, the waters have, have, have risen and receded. They've now landed and now they're on the other side of the ark. This is where we pick it up in, uh, in uh, Genesis chapter 9 verse 18. The sons of Noah who came out of the boat with their father were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham is the father of Canaan. How many know if the Bible makes it a point to give a connection, there's a significance to that being there. There's a significance. Ham is the father of Canaan. We're going to look at why that's there because sometimes we can read that and say, oh, that's nice, but it doesn't say about who Shem and Japheth in that moment, but it makes it a point to say who Ham was the, was the father of, the father of Canaan. From these three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, came all the people who now populate the earth. And so now, uh, mothers, when you have a problem with your children, you don't have to say to their father, uh, your kids, you can say it's all Ham, Sham, and Japheth, because it goes all the way back. We got someone else to put in there. It's 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 Ham's fault. Blame it on the ham. From these three sons came all the people who populate the earth. After the flood, Noah began to cultivate the ground and he planted a vineyard. One day he drank some wine that he had made, and he became drunk and lay naked inside his tent. Noah, Noah, Noah. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw that his father was naked and went outside and told his brothers. Then Shem and Japheth took a robe, held it over their shoulders, and backed into the tent to cover their father. As they did this, they looked the other way so they would not see him naked. When Noah woke up from his stupor, he learned what Ham, his youngest son, had done. Then he cursed Canaan, the son of Ham. May Canaan be cursed. May he be the lowest of servants to, the relative, to his relatives. Then Noah said, may the Lord, the God of Shem, be blessed and may Canaan be his servant. May God expand his ter- the territory of Japheth. May Japheth share the prosperity of Shem and may Canaan be his servant. I want to be Japheth. If you don't re- realize that, you'll realize that before we're done. God help me to be Japheth. This morning, I want to share a message entitled, Help, Don't Hinder. As we look to see the, the presence of God rise in our midst. And so before you're seated, find a couple people this morning and just look them right into the eye and just tell them with the most sincere face that you can, help, don't hinder. Just encourage them right now. Before you're seated, just tell somebody, help, don't hinder. You give them the look. Stare them down if they need it. Make sure they get this this morning. I want you to help and don't hinder. Help, don't hinder. 
Help, don't hinder. There are some people who have a way of making the load lighter, and there are others who have a way of making the load longer. There are some people who, when they come along, they bring, they bring relief. And then there are others, when they come along, they bring resistance. There are some who are willing to give a hand, and then there's some who aren't even willing to lift a finger. There are some people who are ready and able and coming to aid, and there are other people, their presence just agitates. How many have ever met somebody? Don't point a finger, don't look. There are some people gifted to jump into the moment. They're ready to help. And then there are other people, you wonder, what are you doing here? I could watch myself in the mirror do this. Why do you need to stare at me while I work? I have three children, and I have had moments where I love to hear them say, Dad, how can I help you? And then there are other moments as I'm doing work. They just seem to watch me walk right by doing the work, or there's something that's taking place that they just seem to observe. But in that moment, I'm looking for some help in this situation, that there's, uh, there are times that we can help, and there are times that we can hinder. How many would say there have been times you've been a help? Raise your hand if you've been a help, and raise your hand, your other hand if you've also been a hindrance. I'm glad you raised both hands. Some of you didn't participate at all. You just, you want someone else to speak on your behalf. Don't give them the privilege. We have moments where we can help and aid in the moment, and times where we can also hinder. Help, don't hinder. Instead of helping the situation, we can sometimes hinder the process of what's taking place. And when it comes to God's presence, and when it comes to God's blessing, it can be an uncomfortable thought. But it's one that we all have to look at today, and we have to, we have to confront. When it comes to the presence of God rising in our midst and working in our, in our world and in our lives, we can either be a help or a hindrance to the presence of God. I know that's an uncomfortable thought. It's an uncomfortable thing to to think of, that we could, at moments, be a help to the presence of God. And there are moments, or to the increase of what God wants to do, but then there are moments that we also might be a hindrance to what God wants to do. I realize that that as you look, it could be this this uneasy thought of how could I get in God's way and how could we we stand in opposition sometimes. And and it's not always that it's our direct desire, but there's sometimes the way that we react in life or the way that we respond in life will either set the stage for us to help and allow God's presence to, to, to rise and allow God to do something in the midst or we could hinder what it is that God will want to do in our midst We can sometimes aid. And when it comes to the presence of God, are we those who are making the the word work lighter or longer? Are we bringing relief or resistance? Are we giving a hand or not even lifting a finger? Are we giving way to curse or, or to the blessing or are we spreading the curse? What is it that we're giving way to when it comes to the presence of God? Help, don't hinder. Somebody should have told that to Ham. Ham's the youngest son of Noah, and as the youngest son, he has this encounter. We, we hear the story of Ham as he comes into the place, and we realize that Ham wasn't even willing to lift a finger. He didn't lift a finger in the circumstance that we read. But the Bible says that as a result of what Ham had done, he literally caused a hindrance to the advancement of God's promise. Because of what Ham had done in this moment, there was a curse that was set forth and it literally became a hindrance to the presence of God. And I want you to hear the story we just read. Here's the story. 
Noah has planted a vineyard. They got off the boat. They, his three sons and the son's wives and Noah's wife, they're all on the boat. They get off. They start living life in the new place that God has created and the new place that God has, that God has spared. And Noah, of course, begins to plant the vineyard. It's what he did before. He was a farmer, a man of the soil. That's what Noah means. It means man of the soil. He was a man of the soil before the flood, and he was a man of the soil after the flood. How many know just because he went through the soil or through the, the, through the, uh, the flood didn't change the fact of what he was made of? He was still from dirt. How many know what I'm talking about? Just because he went into the water and was baptized, he was still the same human being. But there's a presence of God that comes on the inside of us when we are baptized. Just because you go through the water doesn't mean it changes what you were made from. It changes what you were made for. When you were born, you were made for sin. We were born into sin. We naturally do sin. We were born for that. But the moment we're baptized and we come to Christ, Noah went through a baptism, the water of the flood, and through that water, Noah didn't change what he was made from. Just as when we're baptized, it doesn't change what we're made from. It only changes what we're made for. And even though we're made for the presence of God, we still have soil that we're made from. Noah has planted the ground and he has a vineyard and the Bible says that he begins to drink from the vineyard. Only problem is he forgot to tell himself to stop drinking from the vineyard. We have another picture. Here we go again. We already saw this before. Adam ate of the fruit in the garden and because of what he ate of the fruit, he fell into sin. Adam ate the fruit. Now Noah drank the fruit and because they both don't know how to eat the right things or drink the right way or do the right things, sin enters once again. And I know for us, it can sometimes mess with us because here's Noah, the guy that God used to redeem the whole earth. The guy that God said, you are righteous, I find you blameless, and I am going to use you to spare the world and to to spare the, the curse that's coming upon this land, and I'm going to use you to repopulate the earth because of your righteousness. That Noah, and that Noah who God said I'm going to use because of your righteousness is now on this side of the ark laying drunk and naked in his tent. Noah. You know, it's the only thing that's important for us to recognize is that it's, it's something that when we know that salvation occurs, salvation didn't come from Adam. Salvation didn't come from Noah. These are men of the earth, men who are sinful, but our salvation comes from Jesus Christ. The important thing that I've got to take here is that I don't got, I've got to be careful not to set my eyes on man because if I look at man, man will always fail me. Man will always let me down. That person to your left or to your right, they're going to do everything they can not to let you down, but they just might do it sometime. There might be a moment they let you down. There might be a moment they don't say what you think they ought to say. They don't do what you think they ought to do. They don't respond the way they th- you think they ought to respond. They don't do the right thing at all the time. We are fallen human beings, but there is only one. And in this case, when we look at Noah, it's important to say, thank God that our salvation didn't come from Noah. He may have got, He may have built the ark. God may have used him for that season of time, but our salvation is not because of Noah. Our salvation is because of Jesus Christ, the one who has redeemed us. 
the one who saved us. The reason that's important is because if we want to be immature to use an excuse or to use a statement of, I would go to church, but there's a bunch of hypocrites there. It doesn't work because you're not saved by the hypocrites that surround you. You're You're saved by the one who is Jesus Christ. If you're looking at me to find your way to salvation, I'm only meant to reflect your eyes to Jesus. If you never got your eyes to Jesus and you're still looking at me and judging me and looking at me to bring you salvation, I'm always going to let you down. I'm always going to end up short. I can't do everything for you. I can't live every way you think I ought to live and meet every standard and do everything you think because I'm still just like Noah, a man of the soil. But our eyes are on Jesus Christ. And I think that's important because we could read this story and when we read the story and we're coming off the ark and now God is ready to repopulate the earth and God has redeemed Noah, we could read the story and now Noah has made a a, a mistake and he's now fallen, he's drunk, it's not what God wants him to do and we could get hung up there and say about all that's going on. But notice the Bible here as we read this story and the importance of getting our eyes off a man and putting our eyes on God When we read the stories and it continues, we see what we read next is about Ham. Noah is laying there drunk and Ham accidentally walks in on him. There's not anything that we read except other than than, than it would sound as if Ham just walked into the tent, saw his father. And because he walked in on his father in this drunken state, the Bible says that what he did next And it tells us what he did next, and it points our attention to that, and that sets the course for the rest of the story. What I love about that is that we could get caught up in what Noah did wrong, and sometimes we're so caught up in what Noah did wrong that we forget that Noah, even though he was the guy who God used to build the ark and all that he did, had a moment of failure. And he still shows up in Hebrews from the New Testament writer who says of Noah. And do you notice that when you read what the New Testament writer said about Noah, he didn't say he had faith to build the ark and honor God. Oh, yeah, and there was that moment that he fell, and he should not have done that. Do you notice the only thing it says is what he did by faith, but the blood of Jesus covers what he did because of his sin and his failure. It only speaks of the things of faith of what God was doing because we still serve a God who washes away our sins, who casts our our sin into the sea of forgetfulness and makes us white as snow. And we recognize this. But something happened with Ham that caused a course to be changed. Noah is there and, and as Ham comes upon him, he looks upon his father And as he looks at his father, we see what takes place. He sees the condition. He sees him laying there in drunk drunkenness. He knows it's not something that he should be doing. And what does Ham do about it? The Bible says he went right to tell his brothers. Now I want you, listen, the Bible doesn't tell us why. It doesn't give us a lot of direction and instruction. All we know is is that Ham walked in, Ham saw his father's sin, and Ham left to go tell his brothers about his father's sin. What was it that caused Ham to be so appalled, but not willing to do anything about it? That in the moment he saw what was bothering him, and what what was a bother, it was unpleasant, it wasn't right, it it wasn't good. But his reaction is to tell his brothers. I don't think it's any different today sometimes that we can be individuals who are quick that when we see, oh, you should hear what I heard. 
We can be quick sometimes to share the news of what's going on. And do you know what that per- I They go to that church. And you know what I saw them doing last night? I don't know what kind of people they have at that church. But I don't know. What was it that caused Ham to make that statement? I want you to think with me right now. What, what, what could it have been? And, and, and Was it something that, that I can imagine a couple of things, but I, I could imagine one of the things when Ham walked in and, and Ham walks in and sees his father, maybe he said something like this, huh. and you're the one telling us how we ought to live our lives. I guess I can go back doing whatever I want to do because if you're the one telling me how I to live my life and that's what you're doing, if I can walk out with a little sense of, self-righteousness or permission to do what I want to do and huh, you ought to see what dad's doing in the tent you know the dad who tells us we need to we need to honor God you ought to see what he's doing and it creates maybe an excuse for him for him it was this sense of and he thinks he's that maybe for him it was this case of self-righteousness oh and you're the father of this this clan you're the father that we're supposed to follow glad I'm better than that glad I don't do what you do Glad I'm better than you are. Whatever it was, it was self-serving for Ham that when he looked at his father, he found more delight and got more leverage out of not doing something about it, but proclaiming and telling his brothers. And maybe in telling his brothers, hey, you ought to see what dad's doing. We don't do that. We're better than that. Or was it a, and he tells us how we ought to live. We can do whatever we want. That's what he's doing. Either way, whatever Ham's reason for proclaiming and saying it, did not line up with the heart of God. The, the issue that we have is the Bible says because of what Ham did, there was a curse that went throughout the land. The curse was not that he told his brothers. The curse was connected to the heart and the reason of why he told. The sin is not the act that you do as much as it's the motive behind what you do. The sin is not the act itself. It's the motive. It's the replacement. The sin that we look at, your job is not to just slice off everything that's sin in your life and quit doing all the bad stuff. Your, your, the salvation that we need is not just to quit doing bad things, but is to allow God to fix the heart and the reason why we do the bad things. Because when we have sex relations that aren't right and pleasing to God. It's that, yes, that's a wrong thing, but God doesn't want us to just quit doing the wrong thing. He wants us to be healed of the reason that causes us to do the wrong thing because we've allowed those things to become a replacement for the God who he really wants to be, whether it's drinking or, or, or relationships and things that we replace. Yes, those things are wrong, but God didn't tell us to just be a bunch of good people who quit doing bad things. God told us to be people who are made whole and made whole on the inside that the motive and the reason and the heart is set right with God that he delivers us, not just sets us free from doing bad things, but he delivers us from the the things of impurity in our hearts that cause us to do those things. Because if we don't have real repentance, the Bible says we become like dogs who return to their vomit. We're like pigs that go back to the mud. We have a change, but we either replace it with something else. Well, at least my mud's not as muddy as it was the last time. It's not as muddy mud. It's a clear mud. It's a better mud. No, it's still mud. You're still in a, and God wants to fix the heart. Something in Ham's condition caused him to think less of his father. Wouldn't you agree with me that when Ham walked out of that tent and went to his brothers, there was the pride and a sense of self-righteousness and a sense of, I'm better than that or I'm not as bad as that, or something of that regard that he can look at. He had a reason for going, and whatever his reason, 
Instead of bringing healing to the situation, Ham, unfortunately, had brought a hindrance. Instead of bringing a help and a healing, he brought a hindrance. He brought a hindrance to the work that needed to be done. How do we respond to the brokenness in the world that is around us? How do we respond in in what is around us? Because the way that we respond will determine whether we will allow God's healing presence to rise in our midst, in our community, in our county. The way that we respond to brokenness around us will either allow us to be an aid, a help to what God wants to do, or a hindrance to what God wants to do. Listen what it says in Proverbs 17.9. In Proverbs 17.9, whoever would foster love covers an offense. Whoever fosters love covers an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. I want you to stop and think with this, think this through with me. Whoever covers an offense or whoever fosters love, out of love they cover an offense. But if they repeat the matter, we would call it gossip. We would call it sharing. Yeah, I don't know what they... I get, I get leery sometimes that we can easily just share people's garbage. I've had people tell me things sometimes, and I've had to say to them, if you were smart enough, you would not ever repeat that to anyone else. Because what you just shared was someone's pain and hurt. And the way you shared it with me was in a, can you believe that? When maybe there should have been a heart in you that had compassion to keep it to that person and to minister to that person. Because when you spread stuff that doesn't need to be spread, how many know just because something happened doesn't, need, doesn't mean it needs to be on the front page of a magazine in the, in the aisle of Shop and Save Checkout? Quit making it your business to judge your life by other people's business. Quit making it your entertainment to feed off of someone's disappointment. Quit making it your joy and your feeling better to say, I thought my life was messed up. Look at that. How we share, how we spread. Here's what the, the, the Bible says, that when we spread those things, it separates close friends. Now, we know that in the natural, right? You know that. When someone says something about somebody, you begin, as much as you try not to, you might not act like it, but you begin to see that person differently. How many know what I'm talking about? The moment someone makes you aware of something you didn't know before, well, you know what I heard about that TV preacher? (gasps) You did. You know what I heard about that church down the street? You know what I heard about that person in the family? You know what I heard about my brother-in-law? You know what I heard about... And we share those things and it creates a different perspective and it causes separation. That happens in the natural. And we've got to be careful of that. But it doesn't just stay in the natural. How many know whatever happens in the natural affects the spiritual? Let me say that again. Whatever happens in the natural affects the spiritual. When in the natural we share those things and sometimes we think of gossip and we think of sharing people's stories, and we think, well, I just want you to pray about it. Shoot yourself in the foot by yourself if you're going to, I just want you to pray about it. You are walking around like a lame Christian. 
I just want to share this with you so you can pray about it. Really? You really care that much about the person that you've said nothing to them, you've given no information, you've not done anything into that, into that place to help the situation, but you want to share it with someone and make sure we share it around and spread. Whatever happens in the natural affects the spiritual because the Bible says that when we share those things or repeat those things, it separates close friends. How many know that God came to be a friend to man? God came to be a friend to man. And may I say this, that when we're quick to point out and to share and to point out people's flaws and failures, we've actually created a hindrance for those people to experience a closer relationship with God. Now, I know we can't take all, the, take all the blame on that. But when we look down on people, when we carry an attitude of, well, do you know this about them? I was watching television, family, some years ago, and we were, the TV was on, and there was a commercial for a talk show host who advertising a talk show. And I said to my kids, I said to everybody in the room, my kids were there, and we're laughing at this segment because this person is, is absolutely funny. It was nothing unclean. It was, a, it, was a, it was a funny statement. And we laughed. It was funny. And I said this to, my, to the family. I said, you know what? That person would be really cool if they weren't. And I immediately identified and said what was wrong with that person. And I said, they'd really be a cool person if they didn't have this problem. If they didn't have this lifestyle. If they didn't have this. Now, as a Christian, I can be justified in saying that. Because they have a lifestyle that's not pleasing to God. But the Holy Spirit checked me a couple weeks later in a prayer time. And said that I was teaching my kids how to look down their nose at a world that needs Jesus. Rather than coming to an aid to be like Jesus to a world. That my statement, though justified, was teaching my children. To act like you're better than everybody else. To think that you've got something that no one else has. And that's true. We've got Jesus. We do have Jesus. But to look down in such a way. Listen, I didn't say to justify or to excuse or to give permission to certain things that are wrong. But we position ourselves that instead of being those who come to an aid... We point the finger and say what's wrong. What did Ham do? Ham didn't lift a finger. He went right to his brothers and said, you ought to see what's going on. And notice the Bible says Ham is the father of Canaan. Four generations down the line, Canaan is born. Guess what land Canaan, the descendants of Ham, guess what land they took? Canaan. How many know that Canaan was God's promised land? It was the place for God's promise to be fulfilled in their life. But in order for God's promise to be fulfilled, if you remember Joshua and those who went and they took the land and Moses, they're heading in the the direction and Moses didn't take the land, but Joshua did. And before they could get into the land, what did they have to do? They had to defeat the Canaanites. Listen, Ham literally was a, Ham literally created the hindrance to those who were to walk into the presence of God. He literally set a hindrance to those, hear me no, I, I did not say he stopped 
the presence of God. He did not stop it. He hindered. I want you to know this. Nothing can stop the presence of God. God is going to prevail. The work of God is going to prevail. But the attitude and the way that we look and the way that we address things sometimes, the heart that we carry, we might hinder and prolong the work that God wants to do. How many know that God wanted them to have the land, but they had to face the giants and the inhabitants of the land? Who were the inhabitants? Those who came from Ham. And what did he say? You would be the servant of those because of what you've set in place, it would be a hindrance. There's a hindrance that's going to be put there. Can I say this? That there is a world, there's a Fayette County, there's a world around us that needs to be reached for Jesus Christ and we might be creating a hindrance when we say you've got sin, you're wrong and all this stuff and we point our finger and we don't know how to carry the love of God. It might be that we forget to carry the love of God to step into their world. I'm so glad that Jesus, when he saw me broken, he didn't stay up in heaven and say, shame on you, shame on you. He got down from his throne. He came to my mess. He came to my world. He wrapped himself in the flesh that I'm wrapped in. He got into my world and he covered me and he loved on me. He didn't stay high above and point his finger. He stooped down low and lifted me up and came to my aid and he brought salvation, not because he pointed his finger, but because he brought a covering to my sin. And that brought the hope and the salvation I know that we sometimes can hinder the work that God wants to do because we're good at saying what we're against, what we're against, what we're against. I think the Bible wants us to be known not by what we hate, but they will know you are Christians by your love for one another. They'll know you're Christians by your love for one another. And listen, it separates. The Bible says that when we share these things, it separates close friends. Instead of reconciling, we sometimes separating. What did God say that we're called to be? A ministry of reconciliation. But when we hold ourselves high, well, we're better than that church down the street. We're better than those people. We've got, we've got our act together. We do this, and we, sh- we position ourselves as if we're better than. We become a hindrance, we can create a hindrance to the work that God wants to do. It's awful quiet, and that is either because this is a reality that is hitting us in the face, or some of us are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So one of those two reasons that we have to look at and address, because how we reach our world, here's, here's, here's something the Lord spoke to my heart. That I'm often, and I know I'm, I, I love evangelism, I love sharing Jesus with people. And I think sometimes we make evangelism where we look down on people and we position ourselves and say, I have what you don't have and you won't have any value until you get what I have. Holy Spirit really struck me with this. That the moment I think, and, and listen, we sometimes don't even recognize we're doing it. We devalue people. Because they don't have the Jesus that we have. And how many know we need Jesus to give us life? (laughs) We need it. He's the only one who can give us life. But when I'm devaluing and I'm saying, you would amount to something, like I said to the woman, or said about uh, uh, an individual on television, that they'd really be cool if they weren't. I'm not going to tell you what the blank was because we all do our own what we fill in the blank of what we say and what we think. And what we do is we devalue. As that was was in me one day, I'm I'm, I'm thinking about that and, and... And the Holy Spirit has a way of speaking to our hearts. 
the Lord spoke to me and said, you're looking down on someone when I love them with the same love I love you. I created them with the same intention and purpose that I created you. Who are you to think you've risen to something when you were where they were until my grace came and wrapped around you? Who are you to think you've arrived to something and that they need to get what you have? Because the moment I take that approach, who wants to receive something from somebody who says, get what I got? But the moment I look at someone, and I don't look down on them, but I begin to recognize and say, you know what, you've got a value. There's value inside of you. There's a purpose. And not only do you have value, not only do I want to see that called out of you, but let me introduce you to the one who is able to make that value complete. The moment I come to a place to connect with folks to a level of, of, of where they are, of loving, of coming into their world, when I get into the place, can I tell you, sometimes getting in people's world means it gets messy If I get into the world, then those kind of people might start hanging around me. What is someone going to think because I'm hanging around those kind of people and there's people around me and they got, they got, they smell like that. They act like that. They say those words. What are, what are people going to think? It's going to get messy. It's going to get dirty. We're going to love people. And when we love people, we shake their hand and that stuff gets on us. It comes around us. It's, what are we going to do? Jesus stepped into the world and he loved a world that was hurting. Listen, that Jesus stepped in and when we separate ourselves and we spread those things, here's what it is. It's a lot easier for me to stand up. Well, the Bible says we don't believe in this. Somebody say amen. And we don't do this. Somebody say amen. We don't do that. I'm not mocking. I'm not putting down. Well, maybe I am a little bit. Forgive me. But listen, listen, I, I, I don't mean to have a mocking heart, but I want, to see, I want you to see the heart of this. It's easier for me to stand up and say what we're against, and we don't do this, and we don't do that. That's easier. What's hard is going to those who are hurting and coming around them. and show, That's hard. It's easy for me to come to church and tell you what we don't do and what we do and what's about the Bible. and we just That's easy. What's hard is getting into their world and trying to love them with the love of God. And I'm loving them and saying, God, I don't understand them. I don't even know how to relate to them. I need your spirit to show up. It's easy to do what's predictable. It's hard to do what's out of my control. It's easy to do what's predictable. Let's do church. Somebody sing four songs. Four songs, just four songs. Sing four songs. Someone else do this. And, then, and we got to have, and we can, it doesn't matter how you've created your predictability. We can create our service, and it's got to go like this, and we got to have that. We like the predictability. It's the hanging out with the broken people and trying to help the people. And all of a sudden, that's unpredictable. I'm trying to love them and encourage them, and it's not going the way I want it to go. Oh, God, I need you. How many know that's a good spot for him to rise? How many know that's a good spot for him to take over? That's a good spot for him to show up. It's a good spot for him to step in and to do something. This morning, it's the heart of God for us in Fayette County to say, God, help us not be people who create a hindrance to what you want to do. But we help your work that wants to go on. Listen, fast forward. Here's the the Bible story, Joshua 9. I love how the Bible all comes together. The Bible says Canaan, they will be the servants of God's people, of Shem and Japheth. Joshua chapter 9, what's Joshua do? He says to Gibbonites, he said, you guys are going to carve the wood and carry the water. You are our servants. How many know the Bible was prophesied? What Noah said came about. They had to defeat or put down those hindrances. 
what hindrances have we created that there's a world who they don't know how loved they are of God. They just know how much the church doesn't like what they do. Don't you think it's a bit of an indictment that if a world only knows more how much we don't like what they do and doesn't know how much God loves them? Don't you think, just think honestly with me. I know we can all be conviction, and, but we stand up for truth. I, I, didn't, say, I didn't say compromise. I didn't say quit, quit having the, the standards that God has. That, that's not it at all. I'm saying let's do something of, of, of value and something that God has called us to be. But wouldn't you agree that there might be a problem if the world knows more how much we don't like what they do than they know how much God loves them? That we want to reveal and show the love of God. Let me fast forward. Look what it says in in this, uh, the last verses here, give me that, the next scripture there in uh, chapter 9, verse 26. Ham is cursed. Not Ham, but Canaan is cursed. And I want you to see this. Here's the brother. And all the difference was this. Pastor Kyle, you can help me with this. We've got Ham walks in. Ham sees dad drunk. And Ham goes out to the brothers and says, You ought to see what dad's doing. But then Shem and Japheth, now Shem was the older brother, so I'll be the older brother since you always remind me how old I am. (laughs) I will say things and he'll say, well, I am younger than you are, so I don't remember that. That was before my time. That's my favorite. You know when someone says that was before my time. That's that right there. What's that mean? You're old. (laughs) Shem, the older brother, walks in with, Japheth, the middle brother. And the Bible says that they walked backwards, and when Ham came out pointing the finger, they took a covering, and they went and they covered their father's nakedness. They covered what the other brother pointed at. As a result, look what the Bible says. As a result, Noah said, May the Lord, the God of Shem, be blessed, and may Canaan be his servant. But notice, who gets the blessing? Not Shem, the God of Shem. Notice that. He doesn't say, may Shem be blessed. He says, may the God of Shem be blessed. Why is that significant? It's significant because every time, you you may have heard us say this, when you read the Old Testament, look for Jesus in the Scriptures. Look for Jesus in the Old Testament. We're going to show you Jesus in this story, these three sons. Shem is not blessed directly. The Bible says that God, the the God of Shem is blessed. Here's why. Because blessing didn't come from Shem. Blessing flowed through Shem. Shem was the father of Abraham. And from Abraham came the patriarchs. From the patriarchs ultimately came David, the line of David. And how many know at the end of the line of David was Jesus Christ, the one who blessing flows through. Shem is the older brother. In this story, Jesus is the older brother. His blessing, he has come from God. The blessing flows through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the older brother. How many know the Bible says that we are co-heirs with Jesus? We are joined with him, that he is our older brother, that we are connected through Jesus Christ. Japheth is on the other hand, and I believe this, that it was Shem's idea. Shem said, the older brother said, we've got to do something. And Japheth said, I'll help. 
Shem showed up and said, we got to do something. There's something that needs covered. There's a problem going on. And Japheth said, I'll take the other side. I'll help out. Shem could have come all by himself and done something. But Japheth said, no, I'll take the other end and I'll go with you. I'll go to the place of that covering. And because of what they did, listen what happened. The Bible says of Japheth, May God expand the territory of Japheth. May God expand the territory of those who say of God, I want to help bring your presence and your love to a world around me. He says also, may Japheth share the prosperity of Shem. What's that mean? The prosperity. How many know that our older brother Jesus has become received all the, all the prosperity, that Jesus has all the riches. Everything is in Jesus Christ. He shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. He has all the riches. He's the older brother. We share the riches with him and he expands the territory. I want to ask us today, are we pointing the finger at a world that's going to hell and causing a hindrance or are we joining Jesus in the work that he called us to do and to take a heart and to bring love and to cover a broken world that is hurting and dying and going to hell? Are we willing to come around those who are broken and say, I know you've got sin in your life. I know you're filthy. I know there's dirt. He's not. He's really good brother. He's my friend. I know what you're going through, but how many know there's a difference when you come and cover somebody and you come and you don't look and you point out everything that's wrong with them and everything that's there, but you come and you bring a covering. Aren't you thankful that Jesus came and brought a covering in your life? He brought a covering. Listen, sometimes what we can do is we can bring a covering. We bring that covering, and we love like the world. As long as you do the right thing, as long as you act the right way, as long as you do the right stuff, then you can be in our club. Oh, you didn't act right. Let me take this back. You're not, you're not good enough. When you get your act together, then you can have it back. When you meet my standards, when you do all my list of what I say we need to do, We create a love that really is a love from the world. How about this, husbands? Instead of pointing at your wife and everything she does wrong, how about waking up every morning and covering her with the love of God? How about instead of wives pointing at your husband and you know what you never do? You know what you always do? How about taking the covering and every day taking a ministry and wrapping them up and loving them. And you say, well, that's hard to do. Yep, that's why we need the love that comes from God. You say, well, that's hard to do. That's, that's you know, but no, what do we do? I really love you. But when you act right, I'll give it to you. <laughs> when you deserve it. When you meet my standards. Love wasn't meant to give when your standards met. Love was meant to give because you received a love that you could never earn. On your own. And I wonder if we would say to God today, God, I need you to cover me. Not only do I need to be covered, but there's a world. I wonder if we would take the other side with Jesus. How many know what covers our sin is the blood of Jesus? He bore the cross. But what does the Bible tell us to do? Take up your cross and follow me. There's a world living lifestyles that are going to hell. And you know what's easy for me to do? 
We don't agree with that. We don't approve of that. Listen, I'm never going to change what the Bible says, and I'm always going to live the best I can to what the Word of God says. But just because you have a lifestyle different than mine doesn't mean I can't wrap the love of Jesus around you. My love can't save you. But my love, the Bible says in 1 Peter, covers a multitude of sin. And the moment I love is the moment it opens the door for someone to receive the love that comes from God. Doesn't the Bible say, how can you say you love a God who you can't see when you don't love your brother who you can see? How many know that's true? So let me reverse that then. Wouldn't it also be true then to say, how can a world receive a love from a God who they can't see if we haven't allowed it, them to receive it from a brother or sister who they can see? We say it in the Christian side, how can we love God if we don't love our brothers? But I believe it also works. How can a lost and fallen world receive a love of God that they've never seen, a God that they've never seen, if they've not received it from a believer who they can see? Amen? Church, we're not called to point the finger. We're called to bring a covering. We're called to go into a world, and you know what? When we open the doors to those kind of people, it's going to get messy. That's why the Bible says in in, in, uh, Proverbs 14 that, A stable is kept clean without any ox. But the moment you put an ox in it, it's going to get dirty. But you need an ox for a large harvest. I read that this week and I said, God, I want a large harvest at Faith Assembly. Not for the glory of this church, not for the glory of any man, not for the glory of any person, but to the glory of God. I want a large harvest. You know what God said? Then it's going to get dirty. I want a large harvest. Well, then you're going to have to love people. That maybe the moment you meet them, they don't see things the way you see them. I know, I believe God can bring them in and in a moment change the way they see things. But you know what? Sometimes it might be a process of loving and keep loving and keep loving. Well, you know how hard it is to love somebody when they won't receive the... Yeah. Yeah. You know how hard it is to keep loving people and it just feels like they don't care anything about what you believe, what you think, and uh, who are we? You know, we, everybody else has rights. Why don't we have rights? May I remind us who seem to think that our rights belong in some legislation? We have one right as followers of Jesus Christ, and that is to die to self. We have one right as believers and followers of Jesus Christ. Now, I get it. I understand all those things, but here's the thing. We're not called to lift up banners of anything else except the banner of God. I'm going to ask the worship team to come and help us close this morning. Pastor Kyle, you have that scripture. I want you to read this, and we're going to close in in prayer this morning. Does this make sense to anybody this morning? Need to bring a covering. I got to say this for somebody today. You were covered years ago. And you've walked away from God. But he doesn't want his cover back. Let me say that again. You were covered years ago and you walked away from God. He doesn't want his cover back. He wants you to know he still called you. He wants you to know he still has purpose for you. He wants you to know that he still loves you with an everlasting love. He wants you to know. Listen, I want you to... 
hear the scriptures. They play softly. And we're going we're gonna to pray Isaiah 58. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves. Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and to untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing of the finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Listen to this. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the aged old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Read that last part again. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, Restorer of streets, streets with dwellings. He wants us to be restorers. And we can't do that this way. It only happens when we do this. This morning, I'm challenging us at Faith Assembly to not worry about how it all works because it's got to be eyes dotted, T's crossed, everything just right, everything just perfect. Because when it comes to loving, hurting people, it not might get messy. It's going to get messy. When it comes to reaching those who are in life circumstances and situations that are difficult, you hear what I'm saying, don't you? So how many would say with me today, we want God to rise in Fayette County. And may this be a day. Amen. I don't want to be the best church in Fayette County. We used to have these things that they would rate the best places of worship in Fayette County. I hate those things. If they ever called me and said, we want to give you the award for being the best church in Fayette County, tear it up. I don't want it. I don't want to be the best church in Fayette County. I don't want to have an accolade of being something. I want the presence of God to work in people's lives. And I want Jesus to be lifted up in Fayette County. I want Third Press and, and Cherry Tree and, and, and all these churches around. I want to see the glory of God rise up. I want to see the cover of God's presence overtake Fayette County. I don't want anything more than to see the glory of God set captives free, restore broken hearts, bring life. I don't want to stand up. 
well, at Faith Assembly, we really know how to worship the Lord. We do this. Listen, I'm not, forgive me, if you, I, 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 I have fun, for, I'm not putting that down. I'm like Paul, I raise my hands more than y'all. Paul said to the church, I speak in tongues more than all of you. I, listen to me, I raise my hands more than all of you. In fact, you really want to know, I come in this sanctuary more than you and I raise my hands more. I do it on Thursdays and Wednesdays and I really do. I come in here and pray in the mornings. And when there's no one around, I walk this place and I lift my hands to God and I pray. But my point is this. We don't want to be, well, that's where good things are really happening. No, we want to be, that's where good things are flowing out of. Listen, listen. I don't want to be a good place where things are happening. I want us to be a place where things are flowing out of. Things aren't happening here. Things are flowing out of here. Things aren't taking place in this building. Things are rising up and going out of this building. It's not what's going on on the inside. It's what's happening in the world that we live in. You know why? Because there are people who are willing. Jackson, take the other side. There are people who are willing to get. Stand up, boy. I, I called you boy. I didn't mean to do that. There, there's, a, there's a church that's willing you know you're a lot older than him did you know that here's my point it's where the younger carry the banner with the older and we walk together and we walk to a world we walk to a world that's hurting and broken and we walk to a world that doesn't say well you know I really like it this way well you know how we used to do it back in our time well no we walk together and we say we hide ourselves behind the banner of Jesus Christ and we go to a world that's hurting and we go to a world and we say hey broken world just stand right there we'll come to love you with the love of God you know what in fact God put this on your other side there, brother. He's also taller than you. I mean, no, this is what we're called to do. You know why? Because we want the king to be among us. God help us if all we have is, well, there's a good worship team among us. There's a good women's ministry among us. There's a good youth ministry among us. There's a good whatever, whatever, whatever. Well, the only thing that matters is the king is among us. Come on, Jalen, sing that. We're going to leave, I promise. The Steelers already played. What do you care? Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.